when you're surfing the General Skywalker. You're always on the offensive. It's the Jedi who keep my brothers enslaved. We do your bidding. We serve at your whim. I just want something more. They're right behind us, sir. They wiped out most of our units. Star Wars Brothers Podcast. I'm Cliff Boyd. I'm here with John Boyd. Hey, hey. And Drew Shepard. Roger, Roger. Today we are <laughs> going to be getting into our discussion of the Clone Wars series. And uh, as a reminder, we have, in preparation for this, watched uh, two episodes of the series and the movie. Uh, we are going through chronologically, and we have to start out with a, an episode from season two. In order to do that, it was episode 216, Cat and Mouse. And then we watched 116, Hidden Enemy. And then we watched the movie. Uh, any overall impressions that y'all want to talk about before we get into it? Overall oh, positive or overall negative? I really enjoy the the animation. I'm just going to say that out loud um, just to get us started. The the claymation almost, it's not really claymation, but the the way they look like, clay, like you know, the hairstyle, the Obi-Wan yeah, sure. beard, the... The clay look, I like that. I think it's a fun way to approach an animation that's not done a whole lot, at least not very well, and certainly not that smoothly. Um, so I, I really enjoy seeing them actually produce this uh, with, with that type of artistic style. Yeah, so initially I was opposite. I was like, I don't like this. It's like, this doesn't, this doesn't look enough like the people. Uh, and then I'd see a new character, and I'd be like, ah, they did pretty good with that one, but... Uh, you know, Anakin reminded me of somebody I go to church with and it was very distracting <laughs> uh, at first because it didn't look like the actor from the movies. Uh, yeah. But as I, uh, as I watched it more, I got, I got more okay with it because I think if they had tried too hard to look exactly like the person, it would have uh, gotten real goofy. Yeah. Or sound like them. Right. I mean, it right. Different voice, totally different voice actors for, I, I'm pretty sure for every role. No, a lot of them, they sound matched, but I read that with, Anakin, they had somebody picked out that sounded a lot like him, and then they had somebody else uh, that they just liked the, the read better on. And uh, it's it's funny. I saw some kind of an interview with Hayden Christensen where he was like, "They didn't ask me. I would have done it." <laughs> but did y'all like the the change there, especially with Anakin's voice? Did you think it was a good thing or a bad thing? Or this came out after Episode Three came out. I was, I, I'm indifferent to it. It doesn't bother me one way or another. So, um, you know, it was established early on who Anakin is. And so for me already, that is, that is Anakin's voice for the next several weeks. At least when I think of Clone Wars Anakin, I'm already associating with that voice. So it, it, for me, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm glad they did it because I think if, uh, if they had done the same people, I would have thought about the terrible acting from the prequels the entire time I was watching the Clone Wars. I actually don't think Hayden Christensen did that bad a job of of, uh, of acting himself. Like I've said, I, I think it's it was more of a problem of the um, probably the way that they were told to do it in the setting that they were in, rather than um, them being bad actors. Because you know some of them are great actors and actresses, and they just didn't didn't do any good in that film. But I actually really liked uh, the read on Anakin. Um, I think I would have liked it just as well if it were Anakin's voice from the movies, but it was fine like it was. What y'all think about the, the the morals at the beginning of the two episodes? Like the, I don't know if it's, you call it a moral or here's the lesson that you need to get from this episode. <laughs> I yeah. didn't even write them down. What did y'all think about it? <laughs> I, I don't really pay attention to them. I'm just going to be honest. I, I, I read them and I think about them for about two seconds. But if you were to ask me 10 minutes into the, um, the episode, what it, was like, oh, what was the moral that we started this episode with? I'd be like, I, I, I don't know. I can't remember. But just since you brought up what's happening in the beginning, I do like how they all start out similar, at least up to this point, with the, the war report type of introduction, you know, like, like the old World War II propaganda, you know, in the movie theaters, you know, world at war, you know, and so how they start out with that each episode. I do really like that. Not that I even need the recap, but it is just, it's a fun way to start an episode. Yeah. 
Uh, not my favorite. It, it's fine. I, I'm not going to complain about it. And I, I think it's going to be pretty much the case for the entire series. So um, better get used to it. Uh, I do think, I guess it's a little distracting to me that they have one of the characters that's in the episode doing the read. Mm. It's Admiral Wolf Ularen, I think is how you say it. And, and his voice doing the read through to kind of summarize where we're at and then hearing him in the episode just something about it feels a little bit off to me. I would, I'd prefer to just have a, maybe a, a more generic narrator um, that wasn't associated with an actual character in the show. And yeah, I'm, I'm the same with you, Drew. Those, I, by the time we were two minutes in, I didn't remember what it said at the beginning. I, I get the impression that those were just an afterthought. Um, maybe want to give like a Saturday morning cartoon vibe off. And a lot of times Saturday morning cartoons want to teach you a good lesson. John, we talk about a lot, the Power Rangers. We used to be really into Power Rangers, and they'd have like the, the end of the episode, they'd be like, we're not fighting, we're dancing. <laughs> and uh, and they'd, they'd do something about bullying or whatever. And so I, I get the impression that they're just an afterthought. That they're like, well, I'll just put this at the beginning because somebody told them that they needed to do it. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the impression that I get. Yeah, I kind of wished I had had written them down, you know. Uh, yeah. after I'd already been watching and tried to compare it to, to what was happening. Um, but I didn't. I think, Maybe I will in the future. I think, I think my stance on it, I, John, that's great if you want to bring that to the table. I think my stance on it's going to be just don't worry about it. <laughs> Read it and then forget about it. And yeah. If I happen to notice a connection in, on into it, then maybe I'll, you know, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm there more for the story than I am for the moral lesson. I don't need to get my moral lessons from the Star Wars Clone Wars cartoon. <laughs> Or I don't know if moral lessons, but your life lessons of, of or whatever. Okay, well, let's get right into uh, the episode then. Um, this first episode, we are introduced to a villain, Admiral Trench. Uh, Drew, how would you describe Admiral Trench? He's a tarantula, let's just face it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And I didn't know if they, they were trying to be funny with that wordplay. I mean, in the... Trench, tarantula. I mean, it, it's not the same, but I'm like, that's it's an interesting choice. Um, it's you know, it's not General Smith and he's a tarantula, it's Trench is the tarantula. So, I, I, I don't know if there's okay. anything to that. I just thought that was interesting. Now, I had a little bit different take on his name. I don't know if it was an intentional reference or not, but as I thought about it, I thought Trench, um, what the, the type of warfare that's going on in that episode is very similar to World War One trench warfare, right? Because they've got the blockade. They're trying to they're trying to get to the planet, but there's this blockade and they can't pass. So just the way that trench warfare worked where you, you built your line and then you couldn't get past it, you know? Um, and uh, there's obviously some other some other war-like uh, imagery in the episode itself. Um, maybe not World War One imagery, but definitely some war-like imagery uh, that we'll that we'll get to. John, any impressions of Admiral Trench. I think it's Admiral. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, big spider. Uh, yeah. And it kind of bothered me at first. I was like, ah, he's, he's so spider-ish. You know, it wasn't just eight right. eyes or, or six eyes and a bunch of arms. It was both. Um, but interesting perspective on the trench. I didn't even think about that. Uh, and then that area kind of being the no man's land where they had to go hide from it and stuff. Sure, yeah. The uh, Pirates of the Caribbean as the guy with the with a tentacle face and Admiral Trench reminded me a lot of him as I thought back on it. He's a lot like, a lot like that guy. Okay. Um, this arc is going to cover that covers both these episodes and the movie. It's going to cover the battle of Christophsis. And we started off with um, basically what they're trying to do is get past Admiral Trench's blockade of the planet. Would you call it a blockade yeah. um, of the planet? And, uh, the reason that they're trying to do it is to provide support, but in particular to bring supplies to the citizens of Christophsis. Um, this is on the outer rim. And then right at the beginning, we have a, a cameo for somebody that we are familiar with from the movies, Bale Organa, who uh, ends up playing a pretty significant role. Never really, you know, he's always just a minor character in the movies, but, but I guess in the greater Star Wars universe, ends up being uh, the person who adopts Leia, right? Um, at the end of, uh, I, guess, I guess at the end of episode three and raises her on Alderaan. So he is, he's not from Christophsis, but he's there. I think he's there maybe doing relief work or something. 
And that's when the, the separatists show up. When Bail Organa is talking to Obi-Wan in a message, did you catch the reference? Yes, I, I really liked that. Uh, just like Leia talking to Obi-Wan through R2. Help me, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're our only Obi-Wan. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Okay, did you like the dynamic between Obi-Wan and Anakin, John? Uh, you know, initially, no. Um, and and uh, not even initially. I, I didn't like it in this one. Um, I felt Obi-Wan was, was too forgiving uh, too quickly of all these direct order violations uh, that, that Anakin was doing. I mean, over and over and over. Uh, and he kind of raised his voice and then it was over. Like, yeah, well. And then, uh, of course, in the end, it was just like, well, you did a good job, even though you disobeyed everything. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's maybe that ties into the, what the, the, the episode moral was. I don't know why I'm talking about it because I barely paid attention to it. But I feel like maybe it, it was related to that, that they were trying to say something about the fact that uh, sometimes you need to follow to lead. Or I think it was something like that. So I think maybe they were maybe that was tied into the message there. But um, I uh, what do you think, Drew? Did you like the dynamic between Obi-Wan and Anakin? You know, I I left the episode thinking Obi-Wan is less wise than I want him to be. <laughs> um, that was my initial thought, just with how he treated Anakin, because they introduced this this new technology, you know, this, this yeah. cloaking ship. And I'm just thinking, you're risking all of this for a supply drop. Okay, all right, just, just a supply drop. We're not sneaking behind any lines to blow up the Death Star or anything, just, just a supply drop. Um, and not only is it kind of minor in the grand scheme of the entire galactic battle, um, we're going to give it to the most aggressive, hothead fighter pilot in our entire um, army to, to, of course, do a stealth mission. And I'm just like, Obi, why are you doing this, Obi-Wan? This, this is not going to end well. I don't think he's going to follow your orders, but okay, <laughs> we'll go along with your plan, I guess. Have we seen stealth technology anywhere else in the Star Wars universe? I was trying to think. It seems like more of a Star Trek thing to me, you know? So, so it is mentioned. Uh, I don't remember which episode, but uh, the Millennium Falcon disappears. And uh, one of oh, the Imperial guys is like, oh, that, that craft is way too small for cloaking technology. And so we do oh, know it, it is around. Yeah. We don't know to really what extent, I don't think. And that's and really cool Trench, because one of the things – go ahead, Drew. Oh, I was just going to say, and even Trench mentioned at one time, he said something to the effect of, I have faced devices or cloaking devices in the, in the past, boy, you know, and I've beat them. So, something to that effect. And so, I mean, he clearly had some sort of experience facing that type of technology, but – they were acting when they gave the ship to Anakin that it was all brand new, you know, fresh off the uh, fresh end to the market. And so I'm like, I was like, is this new or old or just new to the well, Republic or? He actually mentioned, now that I think about it, he did mention the size of the ship. He was like, I've, you know, that, that ship's too small to have cloaking technology. At some point in the episode, I don't remember the context exactly, but I do remember them commenting on, it wasn't necessarily that it had cloaking technology. It was that it was such a small ship with cloaking technology. So that's interesting that it kind of ties into the movie. Like that's actually really neat. I think to 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 pull out something that um, that small from from the movies and to make a thing of it in this episode. Um, the clone troopers in this episode were interesting. Um, I'm I am getting the impression that we're going to stay with some of the same clone troopers throughout the series, and they are distinguished, um, I guess, by. I mean, they all look the same, right? Some of them will have like maybe one has a goatee and one of them has head hair and the other one's bald and one of them has a, I don't know, mohawk or whatever. Um, so they make a little distinctions like that, but it's just they all look exactly the same without their helmets on as we're going we're gonna to discover in future episodes. I don't know if we see any without their helmets in this episode or not. I don't remember. Um, but, uh, but I think the main way that they're having us tell them apart is just by the colors on their armor, right? Did y'all think that gave them enough character i mean are, are we going to be able to remember these people and and are they going to be able to do memorable things as individuals with with the only distinction between them being you know little bunny ear painted above their eyes or a little orange patch on their shoulder you know well i guess obviously i guess we'll see um as we as we go forward but um to that to that point it initially bothered me 
these clones are are trained to follow orders and be these and we'll get into that more when we start talking about uh, the next episode but um, to be just cookie cutter soldiers and so we already in that first episode uh, we start seeing that there's there's differences uh, and right. and I wasn't a huge fan of that because I've not seen those differences in them before this sure the movies never explore that mm-hmm not that I remember. They're just sort of ro- almost robotic in the movies. But I actually like that they give them uh, individual character and personality because they're humans. You know, they're they're all individuals just because they're clones of each other doesn't mean they're not people. Um, and like you said, I think we're going to really get into some some issues regarding that in the next uh, when we discuss the next episode. There, I I did notice as well with the clone troopers that they have different experience levels, right? So it's like they're all at different points in the training. And I guess what's the planet that they're all made on? Camino, Camino, yeah. So they're all they're all made in that Camino planet, and and I guess they just have different iterations of them. They don't make them all at once. They train them um, at different stages, and then we have this was was his name Spark, I think. I think it was Spark and maybe Cody in this episode. And Cody's the guy with the orange on him, and uh, I'm colorblind though, so I might actually be orange. It's orange, right? The guy that has the orange. Arms. I know in the set. I know in one sixteen, it's Rex and Cody, but I'm not Rex sure. Rex and Cody. I think it's Cody in this first one as well. And then he's he has that trainee who's basically coming in there, and and they use that to sort of provide commentary and context for Anakin is like an established leader in this in this fight. And that's the other thing. I going back to the dynamic between Anakin and Obi Wan. I guess Anakin is a Jedi at this point. Yeah, is that right? That's the impression given. I'm not sure exactly when he became a Jedi, but I guess uh, I guess he's he is through all of his training and is an actual because you know we'll see in the movie he gets like a Padawan, so he's got to be a Jedi at this point in order to be able to get a trainee under him like that. So I'm thinking the dynamic between Obi Wan and Anakin isn't one of superiority anymore. I think I think maybe they're they're being treated as equals in it, and that that's the impression that we're supposed to have. Time will tell, I suppose, and I guess they they play different leader roles at different times, but but I think they're supposed to be on equal footing as far as rank goes. Do you have any insight or impressions on that? Uh, I hesitantly, slightly disagree, I think. And the only reason I say that is it seemed that only Obi-Wan was giving Anakin any kind of orders. I don't really recall Anakin ever giving Obi-Wan any orders. And again, that might just be the relationship that they have. Um, But that's, that's what I base that off of. Okay. All right, so uh, they eventually do get down to um, the actual defeating of Trench. And I don't know if we'll ever see Trench again because they blew up his cockpit. It's pretty cool. Did y'all, uh, John, do you want to go over sort of how that took place? Yeah, I thought that was, uh, that was pretty neat, getting the, uh, uh, his torpedoes to essentially follow uh, Anakin's, the ship Anakin was piloting uh, to where he actually grazed into the ship, causing the torpedoes to hit it. Um, yeah, and that was all a possible. showcase of his piloting skills. Right, right, and and to the point that we said earlier of the uh, uh, the ship being a smaller ship uh, and capable of cloaking. I'm, I guess, would be a a larger ship probably never could have pulled anything like that off. Sure. Okay, so they get down to the planet's surface, and um, we get to this uh, this basically the next episode, I think at this point that that episode pretty much ends with them defeating trench. I believe, I don't know if there's anything significant that happens after that. So now we get down to the planet surface and uh, we discover that there is a, uh, an insider a traitor among the clones, right? Uh, somebody is feeding the separatists information about their positions. And so the, 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 Next episode opens with basically the droid army coming in and being able to sneak up behind the uh, the Republic people, right? Obi-Wan and his clone people that he had with him. I think Rex is with him and Rex does some cool stuff there. Um, I don't know, maybe Rex is with Anakin. Uh, they repel across, you know, and they all fight them off together. Um, but then they sort of regroup. Um, Anakin and Obi-Wan are going to go sneak behind enemy lines and see if they can find out any information that way. And in the meantime, the clone troopers go back to the barracks. Um, and that's when they discover that it's one of them, right? That it's, that it's a clone that is, uh, that is feeding that information. 
And they do that because while they're talking about what their plan is going to be going forward, they realize somebody's left one of their comm links on, obviously intentionally. They see one of the clone troopers who books it. Um, and apparently all the clones don't have <laughs> distinctive markings. <laughs> Thank goodness this guy didn't or he would have been caught, right? Um, so I guess the only, I'm, I'm thinking probably only the ones that are going to matter long term um, are going to have the distinctive, uh, distinctive markings on them that are going to enable us to tell them apart. I think this is a good, maybe a good time to talk about the way that the clones are characterized again. Um, they have nicknames, right? They're not just a number, uh, but they have nicknames and they have personalities that are a little bit different in between the different clones. And uh, they are individuals who have, you know, humans that have been cloned, created, um, but they're still people and, and they give them some character um, that way. So an investigation goes underway. Y'all just interrupt me anytime you have a comment. Investigation goes underway and uh, they, they, I forget how they do it. Y'all remember how they determined it was this particular clone group? This particular group it was like a the it was, signal think, yeah. that was too low to normally be um, found or caught. Um, they, you know, it, it was intermittently sending out signals, but um, from a that's right a from his unit. Yeah, and so they found it from his his barracks. It was coming constantly from the barracks. Uh, Got Slick's it. Barracks. Okay, Slick. As soon as they said his name, I was like, it's him. He's Slick. <laughs> <laughs> his name <laughs> gave it away. You know. I wasn't 100% sure, but I was like, ah, I bet it's him. I bet it's him. So they go in and they investigate and they question everyone. Um, and they finally get down to, well, they get down, I forget the guy's name, but you remember the guy's name that had the droid fingers? I don't remember his name. But I think he had a name. But what, what was the big deal about droid fingers? It's like, <laughs> like I did it if it were like human fingers or something that you're chopping off. But they acted like he did, he did such a bad thing by stealing these droid fingers and stringing them up on a necklace. I really found that interesting, honestly, that they pull from, okay, not real historical events, you know, collecting droid fingers is not a real historical event, but and I, that does happen in real world to where, unfortunately, throughout the course of history, things like that have been taken as quote-unquote trophies by the winner. And so I thought that was just interesting that, they are using, they're mirroring uh, historical events because this is war. And so um, they're mirroring real factual events of war that have happened. And so I just found that interesting. And in most cases, because uh, I actually, when I realized that, I actually tried to look this up a little bit. But I mean, most countries consider this, you know, forbidden. You weren't allowed to do it then either with Okay. Either side. So I just thought that was interesting that they even kept with that sense of this is not allowed. You're not allowed to do this. Yeah. When they were, when they were kind of fussing at him, uh, they didn't, they didn't chastise him for having droid fingers, but it was for, for collecting things off the battle. And so I guess that was, that was something he just should not have done. Uh, you don't, you don't take things off the battlefield off of your enemy after they're dead. Okay. I want to I want to mention this, Drew. I thought of this while you were talking um, before I forget because I did forget already. The stealth ship going through uh, was basically a submarine, right? We're I mean, going they, back one episode. Yeah, yeah, back one episode. Okay. It's that stealth ship is that long, skinny yeah. ship. It, I, I'm pretty sure it even made submarine sounds. <laughs> it was like <laughs> it did have the red like, tint inside sound. of it, like a submarine. Yeah, yeah. It's, that was definitely like a World War II submarine. Um, reference and, and i thought of that when you mentioned the the fingers i didn't know the fingers were an actual war an actual war reference i mean i i would think that it would be a bad thing to collect fingers from the people that you've killed <laughs> yeah i know um uh okay so ends up being slick and he has his reasons um what do y'all want to go over what, what were his reasons it was because he felt like uh they were slaves um yeah. it was you know i, I kind of like felt bad for him it, it really got me thinking like they are slaves. Uh, they don't have a choice. You are a, uh, you're a soldier uh, for the uh, Republic. That's what you were born to do. And that's what you're going to do. Uh, so really interesting exploring that, uh, that concept there. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was uh, never thought of that before, that they didn't, didn't really have a choice. Yeah. They did a really good job of bringing you back again to the fact that these are people, there's emotion there. It's not just, 
they are not droids. They are clones. So they are actually people who are um, dying on the, the battlefield. And so um, they're not trash and disposable like the droids. And so they are slaves to the, uh, to the Republic, to the Jedi. And it did a really, I, I felt torn because I didn't agree with what he did, but it was one of those, I understand why you did what you did. It is pretty messed up what the Jedi are doing. Obviously, it wasn't their it wasn't their it was their fault for like using it, I guess. But but they didn't conceive of it. Remember, we've got Palpatine behind the scenes conceiving of all this stuff, and he put the gears in motion initially to create this clone army and set up the droid army to to oppose them. And so Palpatine's behind all of it on both sides. But it 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 is a little bit crazy how the Jedi are just like, well, all right, guess we we've got this army. I guess we'll use it. Like. <laughs> Right. They never questioned, uh, never questioned where it came from. I don't know if they ever do question where it, where it came from or why they have it. Do y'all, do y'all I mean, know? I can't think of any time uh, that they did that. No, not not that not that I know of them questioning. And maybe there's something in expanded canon somewhere where maybe well, where they'll address yeah, that. But in Jedi, they're supposed to be these kind of. Uh, I mean, we know they're not, uh, but they're supposed to be kind of these these role model people, you know. Sure. Uh, that, that are extra good. And then to your point, well, you know, they didn't conceive of it. They just kind of, it was given to them. Well, that doesn't sound any better to me. Uh, so I was no. just given this terrible <laughs> thing. So all. I'm going to use it. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely a interesting aspect there. And, and it's not just, uh, it's not just slavery. It's also like human experimentation. I did a, li- a little research on it. Because they, they, I don't know if they reference it in the episode or if they reference it in the movie. Um, I, I played episode two in the background while I was doing something before I started watching this week. So I, I had that kind of fresh on my mind as well. But they talk about age acceleration. And I looked mm-hmm. it up. And basically, when a clone trooper looks 20 and he's like getting into it initially, like he's sort of through his initial training and, he, and he's being deployed, he's actually only 10. <laughs> so these are like kids that are adults because they've been, you know, filled up with growth hormones or something weird. Uh, so they've done this, this messed up age acceleration. They put them in this facility and basically train them to care about nothing but the mission. Right. And like, that's the, that's what their moral code is centered on is the mission. And uh, you know, no surprise that it eventually ends up nearly literally stabbing them in the back. Right. Because their mission was not uh, their, their big picture mission obviously was not what, uh, um, what the Jedi thought that it was. Um, they're just pawns. They have no life. They grow up and then they're supposed to fight and they give their lives. And you see it. You see a lot of them dying. Um, you see them when they're fighting against the droid army. I, I've noticed it in particular. Once we get into the movie, a lot of the clones are just pretty b- brutally just getting wiped out. They just send them in, send them in to die. Like it's nothing. Like yeah. we'll just send the clones to fight. And then, like, oh, they graced them with, like, a nickname. They don't even have regular names. They have a number and a nickname. <laughs> That's it. So it's, it's kind of dehumanizing and a little bit messed up. I don't know if you're supposed to think that deep about it or not. But, but you know, you are because they are, they're introducing it in this episode and saying, hey, think about this. Yeah. <laughs> I messed up for a, for a little kid's show here. So they find the traitor um, because they arrest him. I don't know what they do with traitors. But, um, but uh they, uh, in the meantime, we have Anakin and Obi-Wan who've gone behind enemy lines and unbeknownst to them, the fact that they're going to be sneaking over there at night has been pre-revealed to the, the person in charge over there. Who is, dun, 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 I think, going to be a pretty big villain in this series. Uh, you know, it remains to be seen, but I think it's Asajj Ventress. I know yeah. Ventress is the last name. Um, what were your impressions of Ventress, Drew? Creepy. Um, <laughs> uh, that's my first impression, just looking at her. She looks formidable. Um, she looks like she belongs with the Sith, so she's on the right side for her looks, I guess. <laughs> I mean, that's awfully shallow, but, you know, they're, they're all dark and mis- more mysterious looking, whereas, you know, to your point a little bit ago, John, the, the Jedi are supposed to be more moral, you know, upstanding characters when... Uh, I guess just the artistic style of drawing her in, you know, more dark, darker colors and just more mystery, um, more mystique to her. John, what'd you think about her lightsaber? Uh, I mean, the, the two, is that what you're talking about? 
Yeah, it's like a Darth Maul. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, that was awesome. And, uh, you know, that would have been the one I'd want as a kid. So Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, did you notice it? Darth Maul's is just kind of a straight line across. Hers actually curves. Right. And so the, the lightsabers are offset from each other a little bit, which I thought was really interesting. Actually, the first time I saw that lightsaber, I was in a Galaxy's Edge at at Disney World. You know, we mentioned last week that pretty much all we'd seen was movies. I didn't think about it, but we have all seen The Mandalorian. Drew, did you ever finish The Mandalorian? Yeah. Okay, so we've all seen The Mandalorian. I know that. And then I've been to Galaxy's Edge, which is technically canon <laughs> in the Disney universe, um, inside one of the stores in Galaxy's Edge. So Galaxy's Edge takes place, I think, between – this is the Disney World and Disneyland you know, worlds that they've created. Um, I think it takes place between episodes eight and nine. And uh, in that um, world, it's so so long after all of this, but but they try to keep everybody in character. So if you try to talk to one of the cast members about something from uh, from one of the uh, from one of the previous movies, you know that, that's in a different timeline, it's like they're a little bit confused about it. And so they had this lightsaber. Um, on display, which you could buy for, I think it was about $500. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, but you could buy it. You could buy Ventress's lightsaber. And I didn't know. I'd never seen the Clone Wars. I didn't know who it was. So I asked I asked one of the cast members who it was. And they were like, oh, it's a, it's a legendary, um, uh, that's a, a legendary warrior of some sort. We don't really have that much information about her. And I was just thinking, what? Oh, oh, you're in character. Okay. I guess I'll have to go figure this out on my own. And I never really did. But then I saw it um, watching this, uh, the series and was like, Oh, okay, there it is. Um, there's the lightsaber. So I thought the lightsaber is really cool. I thought the lightsaber battle was really neat. Um, yeah. choreographed really well. Uh, obviously do it. No, no, go ahead. Cliff. You finish your thought. No, go ahead. I, I was just thinking, you know, since we're talking about the lightsaber scene and, um, between them, uh, Ventress and Obi-Wan, what did you think of the relationship between Ventress and Obi-Wan? What do you mean? It was hilarious to me. I, I could not stop laughing every time they spoke with each other. So Ventress, whenever she spoke to Obi-Wan, it was always this pseudo seductive, like, I, I love you, but I really want to kill you kind of. Oh. <laughs> and um, I think she, what was it? Um, at one point in the movie, he called like Obi-Wan in a very smooth way. It was like, that's not, you know, something Ventress my darling. I mean, just the way. Oh yeah. Talk. Okay. All right. So they've got a little bit of a uh, um, yeah. little and bit of like, and she would say sexual oh, tension no, between them or something. Obi Wan, and then he would just like raise his eyebrows. So it was just <laughs> you didn't really even notice that. Funny. funny. I was cracking up. Yeah. I'm like, I just want to see more of these two. Like, and know if there's because clearly it. I say clearly to me, it appeared that they knew each other. There was some backstory there between them, you know, some previous battle yeah. or interaction. And so that to me was interesting and something I was like, have they ever met before? I don't know. Yeah. That was, that was distracting to me. I mean, I, I, I was like, they're flirting. I mean, they were, yeah. they're absolutely flirting <laughs> at that first point. And uh, you know, so I was thinking, Hey, did she used to be good, you know, before she got all creepy looking. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm I'm curious to know if there is a backstory. Yeah, maybe it's just uh, just natural attraction. Yeah, <laughs> uh, she's pretty pretty cocky, thinking she can take on like the two greatest Jedi ever by herself. And she's not even a she's not even a Sith. I, I was a little confused. So she's got lightsabers, a, a lightsaber. I don't know if we know where she got it. Um, you know, we know where Grievous ends up getting his because he gets his by killing Jedi and taking them from him. But she's got a she's got her own lightsaber. Uh, I don't know if I don't know if we are to presume that she made it herself. She can't be a Sith, right? Because there's only ever two Sith at a time. We have Dooku and um, Palpatine as the two Sith right now, right? It was mm -hmm. I think it was Maul and Palpatine in Episode One, and then it's Dooku and Palpatine by the time we get to Episode Two. Uh, and so I'm not sure. I, I don't I don't guess I don't guess she's a Sith, but she's definitely got some skills with a lightsaber. Does not defeat them. Definitely is overcome, um, but has her getaway. Jumps out the window and reveals, "Hey, she's got a whole army sitting there, ready to to go to battle against Christophsis that nobody knew about." Um, and that transitions us into uh, the movie. Anything else to say about either one of these episodes before we move on to the film? 
I actually have two, um, two comments here. One, again, just another, this might just be my type of humor, but I found it really interesting when they first started battling that uh, Ventress went into this room and used the force to hurl a bunch of books at Obi-Wan and Anakin. I'm just, I'm laughing to myself, this ancient, mystic, mysterious force and you're just like throwing books at people. <laughs> like that's your that's your defense here. I just I, I just got to chuckle out of that. Yeah. Um, and then just the other thing, help me figure out what was the what was the trap just to get them away from the barracks for that time being? Was that was I that think, the point? Of the I trap? think it was. I don't know that it was really a trap. It was more that. Um, Cause it was like immediate. They went back and they regrouped and they talked about it and they said, we've got a traitor. We got to figure out who this is. So Rex, I guess Rex and Cody go back and they're like, all right, we're going to go try to figure this out. Um, and Anakin and Obi-Wan say, well, we're going to go try to sneak behind enemy lines. Well, that message got relayed. And so it wasn't like it was a big elaborate plan. It was just like, a, oh, well, they're on their way. What do we do? She said, so I'm, I'm thinking it's like Ventress is like, well, I'm going to go confront them. You know what I mean? So it's not like it was a big setup to trap them. It was, I guess it was to an extent, right? Because they didn't immediately start firing on them. They didn't, they yeah. did make a reference to a trap. Yeah, they, they but like I think it was more of the a, droids, like no one fired. They went yeah. straight up, walked in. So I'm like, okay, so I think there's it was, clearly a plan. I think it was more here. of that. Here's how we're going to handle this since we know they're coming um, okay. uh, more than anything. I, I kind of had the idea it was, it was a setup. And it, you know, they got, they got them away and then the armory basically blew up uh, while they were gone. The armory? Uh, yeah. Oh. Where they had so all why would their, they want them gone for that? I guess it'd be harder to blow it up if a Jedi is there. Okay, um, right. maybe. And so that's kind of the idea I got from the, the the setup was to create a distraction. She wasn't really trying to kill them. She just needed to keep them occupied while they could uh, carry out their plans to sabotage them. Okay, that makes sense. All right, let's get into this movie. So I um, read somewhere that this movie was conceived and this might explain partly why some of the episodes are out of order. Like these are, these are two just random episodes um, that are thrown in. One of them's in the middle of season one, one of them's in the middle of season two, kind of, kind of random. Uh, the, the movie itself actually was not part of the original Clone Wars marketing plan. It was uh, apparently George Lucas was reviewing some of the footage for the cartoon that they were producing. And it was like, Oh, we ought to make a movie to kick this thing off. You know? So they gave it a little budget. Um, and uh, as sort of an afterthought, I guess, was like, all right, let's figure out a way to, to introduce this series in the form of a movie before we get into the episode by episode, you know, ongoing saga here. I thought that was pretty interesting. I, I want to talk about the, the budget. And actually, as I was looking up, because I was curious, how much, how much money, was this a box office success? And I read that it was a box office success, um, but it got me looking at box office numbers. And I want to take a quick... Um, Quick look here at just some of the numbers that I found uh, as far as Star Wars movies in general. You know, we ranked the Star Wars movies last week. We didn't include this one because, you know, I guess we had, I guess we probably all seen it, but it or just weren't really counting it. It's in its own category. It's, I think it's more part of the TV series than anything, even though it was a theatrical release. Um, I don't really view it um, in the same way that I view the rest of the Star Wars movies. And so I don't think it belongs in a, you know, in a, in a Star Wars ranking uh, like the others do. Um, I'm curious what y'all think. What movie of all 11, well, let's say 12 movies, in, include this one now. Of all 12 movies, which one of the movies do you think had the lowest budget? I don't John, know. I, maybe four. Take a guess. Four? Okay, Drew? Four. I was actually going to say four, too. Um, well, you can say, you can say the same Yeah, I, I was, I'm thinking four. <laughs> okay, so it, number four is the lowest of any of the other releases. Clone Wars is actually the lowest. It was eight and a half million dollars um, to produce the Clone Wars. Only 11 million to produce A New Hope. And then that increased for Empire Strikes Back to 23 million. And then increased again to Return of the Jedi to 32 million. And so those were all pretty close together. Um, and so I thought it was interesting to see how that budget had ramped up. Here's something that, that blew me away. The opening weekend for A New Hope only made one and a half million dollars. So they put $11 million into this thing and it only made one and a half million dollars on opening week. That greatly increased with the Empire Strikes Back. That, that made $4.9 million. But then get this, by the time they got to Return of the Jedi, 
$23 million on opening wow. weekend. I thought that was a pretty crazy ramp up from just a $1 million opening weekend on a, on a new hope. Which one of those movies do you think made the biggest worldwide box office overall? I would guess return of the Jedi. So yeah, empire. It's a new hope. Mm. A new hope ended up making $775 million uh, worldwide box office. Now I'm not sure what time period that spans. I don't know if it includes the re-releases or anything. I assume it probably doesn't, but I don't know that for sure. Um, now, this was interesting. Which one of the prequels do you think had the biggest budget? John? Uh, prequels, episode three. Okay. Drew? Episode biggest one. budget for the prequels. Episode one. It was all the same. It's a trick question. <laughs> $150 million each. So they each had the exact same budget. Um, which one do you think made the most money, Drew? I'm going to say episode three. Okay. John? I'd say episode one. Episode one is the first first billion dollar worldwide box office for a star wars movie was episode one and then what about the the biggest the biggest production budget of any of the star wars films which one do you think it is any of them any of the solo solo okay let's say nine okay uh it was actually episode seven but solo was was pretty close and uh, solo and nine actually had the same budget 275 million nine made one billion over a billion dollars solo only made 393 million so they, they pulled a profit but they couldn't pull a profit from just domestic showings they had to it had to be the worldwide box office before they made a profit there um i don't know if it's actually a profit for disney after all their expenses or not it's not a <laughs> not really viewed as a very successful movie which is unfortunately why i think we're never going to get i get fortunately for john but unfortunately for the rest of yeah. us <laughs> unfortunately for me we're never going to get a solo sequel at least not in that form anyway. Um, who knows? Maybe the maybe this some of the Disney Plus spinoffs will we'll go back to it. Okay, biggest worldwide box office. Y'all should know this of any of the movies. Which one had the biggest worldwide box office? Seven. I would yeah. guess seven. Yeah, yeah it's seven. Oh, over over two billion dollars. The only one that's gone past two billion. In fact, none of the other ones have even gotten close to two billion. And actually remember there was an image um, after was it was it Endgame when Endgame came out? And there was an image, I think there was an image of like a hand from somebody from one of the Star Wars movies. It, it was when one of one of them dethroned the others, like a Star Wars movie dethroned a Marvel movie or vice versa. And I remember there being some sort of a, like a handoff image that I saw that, that was representative of that. Okay. Anyway, this is a very small budget compared to the rest of the Star Wars films. Very, very small budget um, movie. Uh, that is simply meant to be an introduction to this series. Okay, so we pretty much pick up where the uh, where the where the episode two sixteen or one sixteen one sixteen yeah where episode one sixteen left off, and uh, we have them fighting on Christophsis. They're on the surface of Christophsis. In the introduction, though, I think it was interesting how the state of the conflict was discussed. This is pretty soon after Geonosis. Geonosis is the the scene where they're all chained up in the in the ring and in episode two, the end of episode two, the big battle where they send in the clone troopers for the first time to save the day and all the Jedi are fighting in that big arena. And then you have Yoda fighting Dooku and all that. All that is the Battle of Geonosis. So this is after the Battle of Geonosis. And this this I thought was really interesting from I want to get y'all's thoughts on this from the intro there. One of the things that was mentioned is that the Jedi are so preoccupied with the war that they can no longer be peacekeepers. This is sort of the premise for the movie. This is what sets up the, the dynamics of the movie. They can't function in their role of, of intergalactic peacekeepers. They're focused on being soldiers now. And so the gang bosses start taking over, right? Jabba the Hutt uh, is in a position to, to be a bigger and bigger influencer. And, uh, and sort of your crime, crime lords of the galaxy are left without anybody to go and be deployed to stop them. Right. That reminded me at the beginning of episode one. You remember they 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 send out uh, Obi Wan Kenobi and Qui Gon to go and try to handle this trade federation dispute and keep the peace there, mm -hmm. right? But uh, but what, what did you think about that? I thought I thought that was an interesting setup and it made me think a lot about you know the the mastermind Palpatine, what he might be trying to accomplish through that. He, I mean, he's trying to at the very minimum create discord and it's clearly working. So, I mean, whether, whether the Jedi win a battle or not, that's not his end game, um, you know, and not trying to 
get too far ahead of ourselves. But, you know, at the end, his conversation with Dooku suggests, you know, he was like, okay, well, you know, there's many more challenges ahead, my friend, you know, it's, it's okay. It's because it, it, all his end game is to create chaos and discord for his own benefit. So if he can get the Jedi to not be peacekeepers, it doesn't really matter what, if they have their small victories or not, if there's still chaos, he's still winning. Sure. Yeah. I did think it was neat how they show Palpatine playing both sides of this. Uh, I assume we'll see that throughout. One of the things that I thought was neat about the battle is the way that the Jedi are just like overpowered. I mean, they can take down anything and a bunch of it. <laughs> and and the way they just jump around the battlefield, they'll be on this huge, massive, you know, kaiju sized robot. And then they'll do a backflip over to this other one. They're like superheroes. It reminded me of uh, the, they're like less powerful superheroes. You know, like DC superheroes are all way too overpowered. John, we think that anyway. Um, and then your Marvel superheroes are still too overpowered, but not quite as bad as the DC. I kind of view the Jedi as like a step way down from that, but they still have like these superhuman capabilities. Um, obviously, it's the Force is the explanation for that in, in the context of Star Wars, but it's still a similar type role where you have these superhumans that are just so much more powerful than any of the other players um, in the war, in the battle, in whatever's going on uh, that are all end up, end up clashing against each other and, and testing their you know, their skills against one another. what do you guys think about General Loathsome? Do you know who I'm talking about? The guy with the long snout? Oh, the, the one like that... The um, main bad guy and he's, he's leading the... Okay. Yeah, General Loathsome is his name. Uh, stupid name. A lot of stupid names <laughs> in Star Wars. <laughs> I always thought Dooku was such a dumb name. That was part of... I think it was one of the things I heard Dooku. I was like, Dooku? It sounds like poop. Like, what? <laughs> Dooku? Why would you do that? Why would you name him that, you know? Um, but I kind of loathsome. General Loathsome is a really dumb name, I think. And I, I really didn't like his character at all. I hope we never see him again. Nah, they definitely portrayed him as stupid. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, when Kobe's like, let's have some refreshment. She's like, well, okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think an Irish accent. Was that an Irish accent that he had, I believe? The droids end up retreating because they're going to go set up the shield um, and then progress a little bit at a time and try to try to under the shield um, overtake their cannons and destroy them. Um, but then we meet Ahsoka. Ahsoka comes in to deliver a message, but then reveals that she is going to be Anakin's Padawan. First, Anakin's like, no, I don't want a Padawan, but um, didn't really have much of a choice in the matter, so she ends up following him around, and then he ends up warming up to her. They call her a youngling. Does that stand out to you guys at all? I looked up how old she was. She, either one of you know how old she is? Not a clue. She's 14, 14 years old. And so uh, Jedi, I guess, are taken when they're really young. <laughs> kind of a weird thing that the, the, the Jedi do. They, they take these younglings um, that come in and they raise them in their facility. Apparently Yoda trains all of them. Um, and then about the time I think that they're 13 or 14, they're ready to be Padawans. So they, they, look, they link them up with the Jedi and then they go out and follow them around and undergo that, that stage of the training. So Anakin's already, obviously already passed this, passed that stage. But, uh, but Ahsoka is going to be a, a Padawan. John, did you like Ahsoka off the bat? No, no, I didn't. Um, and uh, I, I know a lot of people love Ahsoka, so I'm going to give Ahsoka a chance. But in this uh, movie, I didn't like her. Uh, I, didn't like, uh, I didn't like the voice acting. It just it, it felt very prequelish. <laughs> and then, uh, I mean, I liked that she was, uh, you know, that... Anakin was frustrated with her a lot. And really, I was thinking, look, these are things Anakin would have done. So I did like that dynamic. But, but her as sure, a character, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really care for at this point. But again, going to give her a chance. Drew, what were your impressions of Ahsoka? So I, I don't dislike her. But my, my, my bigger thing, the reason I say that is I watch her, her introduction with a lot of anxiety. Because we know this Clone Wars are between episode two and three. So we know what happens before and we know what happens after. So watching her, we, we already know her fate is tragic. It's either one of two things. So she's either going to, I mean, you know, at the end of all this, she's either going to die or going to hiding. We, we know it's tragic. It's one of those two things. And so as guilty as I feel for saying this, I'm reluctant to put energy 
and emotion to caring for a character <laughs> whose fate okay. I already know. <laughs> sure. So I'm thinking maybe she is supposed to, uh, maybe she'll become a character in her own right, but it seems like she's also supposed to just be a, a means by which we get to know Anakin um, and get to understand him better. And it's a, it's an opportunity for us to see Anakin seeing himself in someone else. Yeah. Um, John, you sort of made a reference to that, that she, she doesn't, she doesn't behave, right? She doesn't do the thing. She doesn't take his instruction all the time. She does her own thing. She resists whatever he tells her. So, and we see that uh, she just about gets him killed whenever they go to take down the shield, um, sneaking behind the, you know, they get, get under the box, sort of Metal Gear Solid style, and sneak back uh, to take the shield down so that the big guns can destroy their big robots or big droids. And while they are undergoing that, she ends up setting off a bunch of traps by being careless. Now, Anakin knows enough to be careful and cautious, but she just runs in there and, and ends up uh, causing, a, causing a pretty big mess. But they are still successful on the mission, and it's at the end of that mission that Anakin's like, you know what, I think I can, I think I can do this girl some good. And, and I think he kind of warms up to her and likes her by the end of it, because I think he starts seeing himself in her um, and can relate to, to where she's coming from and her attitude toward everything. Then we get to the main, we're, we're going to kind of rush through the rest of this just because we're, you know, we've been, we've been at this for a little bit longer than, than we planned initially. But we, we get to the main conflict, and this was the main reason I, I disliked the movie so much the first time I saw it, however many years ago. Jabba the Hutt's son has been kidnapped, right? And so after they win, the, they, win they end up winning the Battle of Christophsis, and, and that's all, you know, that's all fine and good. But then we have this other conflict that ends up taking place where where uh, Jabba the Hutt's son has been kidnapped and he is reaching out to both the separatists and the Jedi to try to get his son back. And, and so they're basically competing to see who can get Jabba's son back to him um, so, that, uh, so that they'll basically win his favor. The Jedi need him because he's going to give them some transport and give them the ability to use some of the, the warp routes that the separatists have blocked. Uh, the separatists want to, uh, well, the separatists have, have a, have a lot of other um, motives at work. Um, they're, they're the ones who are actually behind this from the begin uh, to begin with, right? They're the ones who have set out to kidnap Jabba's son, and they're the ones that, uh, you know, basically are just trying to frame the Jedi. Um, they let them get in there and find where he is. They they come in and they they rescue him, um, but it's all just a a setup so that they can get pictures and send them back to Jabba and say, hey, look, the the Jedi have your son, and they're gonna you know, they're going to be try to frame them and make them responsible for, for his death. Ventress, we see Ventress appear here again, and she's actually playing the role of being sort of the behind the scenes person who's getting the information to go and, and frame, uh, frame the Jedi. One of the moments that I thought was really, really funny from the episode was whenever they are, whenever they're going in there to save Jabba's son, uh, they figure out where he is. They send you know, a big force to go and, and, and save him. And it's after that Ventress shows up, ends up fighting him off. She is supposed to kill Jabba's son. So I'm, I'm getting a little less convoluted. Let me see if I can take a step back. Basically what happens, they find out where Jabba's son is. They go in to save him. Anakin and Obi-Wan, along with an army of clones, go in to save Jabba's son. But they're basically just, they basically just walk in and pick him up because the whole point of that was so that Ventress can get a picture of them with Jabba's son and then they're going to kill Jabba's son and make it look like it was the Jedi's fault, right? right? So that's the role Ventress is playing, is as soon as she gets the pictures and sends them off, she's supposed to kill Jabba's son. And so it's a big, uh, that whole scene becomes a big um, attempt uh, of Ahsoka and Anakin basically trying to get Jabba's son out of there and delivered to him while Ventress is trying to, to kill him, right? Um, some cool moments. One of the moments that I thought was really, really silly uh, made me laugh out loud. Um, they get away. One of the droids pops out and says, uh, you know, um, Count Dooku wants a report yeah. of what's going on. And they've just gotten away. <laughs> she doesn't say anything. She just tosses him off the cliff. And I love, I just cracked up the moment because he goes, why? It's <laughs> hilarious. A lot of people don't like the droids. I think they're fun. Uh, yeah. But I'm also the guy who likes Jar Jar. So. Any moments from that whole scene of, of, of what happened there that stood out to you all? 
one that stood out to me for a, a comic reason, like you have your comic reason with the droid there, was uh, how Anakin landed on what was looked like a, a giant dragonfly <laughs> and, yeah, and tamed right. it and tamed uh, it and trained it to fly in a matter of like three seconds. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so that, yeah, a little that was, silly. It was a little silly. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. It was funny to me. I like moments like that. Obi-Wan obviously shows up to help him, and there's a lot of really cool interactivity between Obi-Wan and Ventress again. They have a really, really cool fight scene uh, there, I think. Another cool moment was they they've captured the clones and uh one of the ways that it's rex rex is the guy with the little bunny ears over his eyes okay and so rex is captured but he is he's being told to to send a message i forget all the context of it but he's being told to basically send a message to anakin because they're trying to set up a trap and he calls him on the comm link and, and calls him anakin instead of calling him whatever he normally calls him commander or something. And I thought that was cool. Kind of a cool, like secret secret way for Rex to send the message without Ventress realizing that he's sending the message. That was, was neat. Um, anyway, they get away, but Duca goes ahead and tells Jabba that, that they killed his son and now they're coming to kill him. So they're having to scramble now, right? Um, they're about to lose this. And so he's just saying whatever he can to try to prolong it and, and make the plan still be successful in some way. So they end up, the Jabba ends up trying to shoot him down. Uh, not realizing that his son is on board. Uh, they do get shot down, and then they have to basically cross the desert to bring the child to Jabba's palace. And in the meantime, Dooku comes out and meets him. Uh, Anakin and Dooku end up having a lightsaber battle, while Ahsoka sneaks off with Jabba's son, gets right to the palace, and then there's a, a trap of a bunch of droids that pop out and, and attack her. Um, really like the fight scenes here. Um, I thought that was cool. But then we got Zero. Who shows up. <laughs> John, what were your impressions of Zero? I uh, I did not care for Zero. Um, the kids actually were were watching this part with me too, and they were like, "Is that a uh, is that Jabba's mom?" Um, <laughs> so, it's kind of my thoughts exactly. Just yeah. uh, I was not a fan of Zero. In the I way couldn't Zero figure moved. out where his voice was from, but I know I've heard that voice before. I feel like that exact same voice is used in in a different in some other media. I couldn't figure out where it was from. I, I researched it. I researched the guy who did the voice and uh, I just couldn't figure it out. But that whole zero thing, basically what, what ends up happening is zero is, is working with the separatist and has set this whole thing up with them to try to basically get, I guess he's trying to get the huts killed. Is that what it was? Am I remembering that right? Yeah. Zero wanted to kind of take uh, be the Supreme hut. So, right. Right. Anyway, Ahsoka ends up beating the defense droids. Anakin ends up, surviving the assault from Dooku uh, running off um, at the end of it. Um, there's not really a, you know, winner or loser, just sort of a Dooku's role was, I think to just delay it. Um, and so he accomplished it. He was trying to accomplish there and um, they end up bringing Jabba's son back. And then that's where you get drew, drew what you referenced where Palpatine is basically killing Dooku. Hey, don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal because Hey, we, we're everybody's fighting. So Palpatine's getting his way at this point. Anything else about the movie that y'all want to discuss? I'll say uh, I've watched. This is the third time I've actually seen the movie, and the only time I enjoyed it. Uh, and I okay. think it's just because the sequence yeah. we're going. Sure, yeah, I actually enjoyed it a lot too. Um, I remember really disliking it the first time I saw it uh, a long time ago, but but I thought it was I thought it was great. I just enjoyed a whole lot about it. There's things not to like, but there's a whole lot to like. Drew, yeah. a lot of cool battle scenes. Uh, the one between. Dooku and Anakin, I particularly enjoyed, and uh, the one between Ahsoka and those uh, those three battle droids, and really watching her come into her own, think, thinking on her feet, and sort of how you saw that play out. I really enjoyed that scene. All right. For next week, we are going to be... Hang on, let me pull it up here. We are going to be watching uh, parts one and two of Domino Squad, the Domino Squad arc, and then part three, I don't think we watch for a few more weeks... That's one, I guess, arc that's that's sort of spread out. Episode 301, Clone Cadets. And then we'll finish off the week with episode 105, Rookies. Um, in between, we have the Toydaria duology. That's two episodes, 303, Supply Lines, and 101, Ambush. And then we'll watch the Malvolence trilogy, which is 102, 103, and 104. Rising Malvolence, Shadow of Malvolence, and Destroyed Malvolence. Uh, if you'd like to contact us between now and next week, you can email us at Star Wars Brothers Podcast at gmail.com. And we are actually going to start recording 
on Thursday next week, and I'll be trying to get these episodes posted uh, over the weekends. You can now also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and thanks for listening. I like the sound of that. And with that statement right there, we just lost whatever listener we had.